This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. And you're probably like, damn, these podcasts are coming in very quick frequency. Yeah, I can't stop it. I'm a Geekscape freak. And also, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying Geekscape. Ian and I had a lot of fun on the Book of Boba Fett uh, uh, season one wrap up special. It's Geekscape. This is what we do. We talk pop culture. If this is your first Geekscape, well, welcome. I hope you have like a maybe a coffee or a nice drink. And you're sitting there enjoying your pop culture talk. Anyway, uh, the Book of Boba Fett. Go back and listen to that episode if you've wrapped up all seven episodes of the first season of Book of Boba Fett. Oh, what can I say? Uh, the the opinions were mixed on that one. And uh, uh, I, I still love my Star Wars. I still love a lot of that series. Um, go back and listen if you want to hear Ian and I's thoughts. Uh, but we definitely got some feedback, you know. Ian and I got called, um, what was it? We got called, uh, like, what, weekend quarterbacks? No, couch quarterbacks? What was the word for it? Oh, uh, whatever it was. But you know what? Like, I think anybody who reviews anything after the fact or talks about it is a um, armchair quarterback is the term. Uh, we're going to be doing some armchair quarterbacking here, we're talking about that first season of Peacemaker, all eight episodes that dropped on HBO Max. We loved it. And again, if this is your first Geekscape, like subscribe. We're talking a ton of stuff. We got the Batman coming up, as well as a movie Ian is calling his most anticipated movie of the year. That's Morbius, starring Jared Leto. He loves Tyrese Gibson, and uh, he's got to see what he does in this Morbius movie. He cannot wait for Morbius. He's been talking about Morbius for the last year, he's like, oh, why does Morbius keep getting delayed? I was like, Ian, they're trying to make Morbius better for you. So you're definitely going to want to subscribe and see what Ian thinks about the Morbius. Um, we also just talked to the stereo. This is a rock band. Uh, that's one episode back on the feed. That rock band influenced Dashboard Confessional, Fallout Boys, so many other uh, big bands. And uh, you're like, hey, who the hell are the stereo? We'll find out in the episode that we just posted earlier this week. And then I promise we'll get to all the news that has been happening in the pop culture world. Uh, they're putting out this Justice League Avengers um, reprint uh, for charity because, uh, sadly, George Perez, who got a lot of us into comics with his artwork, is um, is losing a uh, is losing a battle with cancer. And so, Superhero Initiative put out this JLA Avengers reprint of the Kurt Busiek. George Perez run and they limited it to 7,000 copies is a big uproar about that. I'd love to say something about it because I know my comic book store is frustrated. I know comic fans are frustrated, but there might be another side of that. Uh, and we don't know from outsiders what's really going on there. Uh, there've been tons of video game acquisitions and, you know, we haven't even talked about that. Uh, there's a lot going on in the pop culture sphere 
as we get closer and closer to the big Marvel blockbusters, et cetera, coming out this summer. Uh, and it's all I can do to keep laying the train track because the pop culture train is coming. It, it's all I can do to stay ahead of this stuff here on Geekscape. So uh, if you, if you're, we're not covering what you want to cover, we'll just remember we have an entire network behind us now. We have about 20 shows covering everything from pro wrestling to video games to music uh, to filmmaking and more. So search for Geekscape on any of your podcatchers. Subscribe to the shows. If they have the Geekscape stamp of approval, that means they're on the network. Um, that means it's good stuff. And uh, th- I'm really happy with where things are. The numbers here have been crazy healthy. Uh, so I'm just glad that a lot of people are listening. And I hope you still are after that little rambling intro. Uh, again, we're going to be talking about Peacemaker Season 1. There's going to be some major spoilers. So if you have not watched all eight episodes, this is where you should probably, in a wrestling term, you should probably tap out. Or is that... Yeah, you can tap out in wrestling, but it's really a name. Whatever. We're going to be talking Peacemaker. I'm not going to delay any longer. Here we go. It's Geekscape. All right, Geekscapers, let's get to it. This is the Peacemaker Season 1 special. And Bolt T is already in the chat room there on uh, YouTube. He says, how are the Russian downloads going? Still popular? Yes, I gave an upload. I actually gave an update on the last episode about how we're doing in places like India and um, like Senegal. We're pretty popular. Top 10 in TV or film interview podcasts there. So keep us climbing. You know, the Russians, well, uh, I don't know. We got a lot of downloads coming from the Ukrainian Russian border. I don't know what that's about, but um, <laughs> I guess we're keeping the uh, troop surge entertained over there. Uh, so, you know, I'm no war prophets here, but I got to tell you, bored troops sitting at, a, at the border for uh, World War III, they, they need something to listen to. And why not uh, make it Geekscape? Boy, that's grim. That is very, very grim. <laughs> <laughs> and Bolt T, I was actually thinking about you because two, three episodes ago, we uh, we talked about the GameStop stock phenomenon that happened last year. We were talking to our buddy Jonah Tullis, who directed that GameStop Rise of the Players documentary about that whole, you remember, like a year ago, people became millionaires off the GameStop stock in the whole short. Um, really fascinating story. That episode's in the feed. And we actually... I, I actually, we talked a little bit about like how that led into like the NFTs and the crypto and stuff like that. And Jonah had a take that was interesting. So Bolty, if you haven't heard that one specifically, I was thinking about you on that one because it was pretty cool. Um, and uh, and I try and do a show that addresses your interests as much as they address my interests. Let me know if you're happy with your Geekscape. Send me an email, jonathan at geekscape.net. Um, cool. All right, here's Ian. Let's talk some uh, Peacemaker. Ian, you ready to rock, buddy? Um, I think you are. You're sending some last minute texts. It's okay, buddy. Um, Ian and I, Ian has been so busy um, that we're just like trying to find times to talk about these shows before too many days go by after the finale. Um, But understand that Ian and I are talking about these shows pretty much as they're happening. We rush to watch these things before the internet 
spoils them. And that's definitely one where I texted Ian and said, hey, Peacemaker episode eight, do not let the internet spoil you. And miraculously, he had not seen it yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had I was about an hour or so behind you. But, you know, I mean, and in fairness, the listeners should know that you're super busy reading all those old Morbius comics getting ready for it. <laughs> I need when I sit down for Morbius, let me tell you how the Morbius is going to go, because Ian, you, Justin and I are going to see Morbius. Um, we have two major bat movies coming in March. We got the Batman and I'm working on it's getting a masterpiece. It's a yeah. You've seen it, and yeah. and you texted us immediately and said it's a masterpiece. I'm not. I'm working on. I'm working on Michael Uslan to come on the show. He's the guy who optioned, who held the option on Batman since like the late '70s. Yeah, and he's been involved in every Batman movie since Tim Burton, etc. So Michael and I have been talking about him coming on the show. We're just trying to find his schedule. We're trying to get him the week of the Batman of the week after. I'm working on that one. I hope it happens. Geeks gave us know that I'm working for you, but Ian texted us on Thursday. And said, it's a masterpiece. Didn't even say what's a masterpiece. I believed that since Ian watches these Peacemaker episodes at midnight, that he was talking about the Peacemaker episode, which I was about to watch. Uh, Ian was talking about the Batman. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see it, man. I like Matt Reeves. Let's let's rock out. You know, I'm super stoked. So Ian, thanks for getting us tickets for that one, by the way. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I can't wait to see it. Um, and I, and I was kind of like, eh, another Batman movie. But when Ian says it's a masterpiece, I said, Hey, if it's a masterpiece, I'll be, I'll be super excited. If it's not a masterpiece, I'll have plenty of shit to tell Ian and like I'll just hold over him forever running time. I was never bored. Uh huh. And, and it, listen, it, it's not, it's more reminiscent of something like the Joker then you know then any big superhero movies you know it doesn't feel like a marvel movie at all it's, it's like, pensive it, it, yeah is it like pensive it, 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 is it it's, it's like chinatown or french connection i oh. mean it's just it, it's it's I you know love crime that. mystery stuff with great fight scenes okay i uh ian you are getting me more and more excited and honestly i had said it on the on the show uh the bat and the cat i think was the name of the trailer that showed a lot more of like the chloe uh, uh, the the Zoe Kravitz mm-hmm. uh, Catwoman She's kind great. of narrative that that kind of personal thing is kind of like the thing that's like oh that's Jonathan's into the movie is mm-hmm. like how the relationships fold out I'm a I'm a I'm a softy I'm a sucker I want to see yeah. how that works um, so we'll be back in a few weeks with the Batman Ian and I um, but we're talking Peacemaker today yeah. and so listen I, I didn't quite have wow. a job of peace <laughs> okay yeah but... you got the Nightwing. <laughs> It's pretty awesome, dude. You're still pumped about that, Batman. Um, Okay, Peacemaker, I think when you texted me and said it's a masterpiece, uh, I thought that you'd already seen the Peacemaker 8th episode. Uh, After I watched the 8th episode, by that time I knew you were talking about the Batman, but I think this holds for the Peacemaker, too. I mean... It stuck the landing, man. You know, can, can I just say that there have been a lot of well first of all let me say this it's so crazy to me to think that when james gunn was canceled for that minute yes you know and because of that we get this because of that he had the window open over at dc they were like come over here what do you want to do That's he right. said i want to do the suicide squad and right. we loved Suicide Squad. You can go back in the feed and hear our thoughts on the yeah, Suicide we, we Squad. We loved it. And the Suicide Squad, a lot of people, you know, supposedly the numbers, it's hard to tell because of the day and date, but didn't do well. Like, did yeah. really poorly, which I mostly blame on, 
you know, the, the name thing, because outside of main, you know, mainstream fans, like just going the first one, Suicide Squad, now the Suicide Squad, you know, I mean, a, a lot of analysts think like it just didn't resonate, you know? Yeah, well, what's but, crazy is that that Suicide Squad did a fantastic job and was not a very, not a movie that we enjoyed. Uh, and sometimes that happens where you have... that I was really into it. Yeah. And then they just did the whole, oh, Robert, let's all come together, kumbaya thing. I was like, that's not right for this. It was really weird when, um, and we're talking about the, the Suicide Squad with, with Will Smith. Uh, it was really weird when like Captain Boomerang left the the team and was pretty adamant on leaving the team. You're going to get us all killed. He leaves the team and then he only comes back for a slow-mo walk montage. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I guess we're good. It was very much, it felt like style under, uh, over substance. We don't know what was cut out of it. Release the hater cut. I'm uh, just kidding. Um but uh, we honestly don't know what happens with those shows and those. But by movies, the way, you're so... joking. I would love to see Ayer's version. I mean, yeah. the whole everyone released the cut, released the cut thing is tired. <laughs> but but I would love to see it because I do believe that as often happens, you know, the studios get involved and they butcher things. At the same time, I, I tend to think the problem with Warner Brothers and DC movies is Warner Brothers as a studio is very. Um, they cater to directors. And the problem with that, you know, as we, when you don't have a Kevin Feige as the boss, you know, individual directors handling a movie, you completely lose any sense of cohesiveness. I've heard that as a studio, uh, you know, just people who I know who've worked in the, at, that, at that studio is that there, there's more of a competitiveness amongst the, the different arms than there is a, like a kind of a symbiosis going on there a synergy right so like the synergy thing it almost had to lead itself to a multiverse where you know you've got the the cw shows happening over here and those are great and then you have some of the movies happening over here and then you have like spinoffs like joker you've got spinoffs like maybe the batman but you got like this lack of cohesiveness because everybody's just kind of in their own lane and doing their And thing. I have to say their own corral, I think. I have yeah. to say on that point, um, and I know you're not a big watcher of them. I don't know how many of the listeners are, but as far as that arrowverse, I mean, one of the coolest gets in the world that Mark Guggenheim pulled off was actually getting the the movie version of The Flash onto the crisis episode. Because yeah. Of, the, that was that shook the internet was when yeah. Ezra Miller was like, I, he just shows up and yeah. you're thinking flashpoint, you're thinking multiverse it, already. You'd seen things like Dean Kane show up and all these different multiversal characters, but that was awesome. Well, oh well, yeah. Well, and then you had kingdom come Superman from Superman right. returns. And that was so cool. Yeah. 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 I, I think, stuff. I think, I think there's a lot to be said for these, um, two studios, Marvel and DC, not negating old fans. You and I like read that. I think I sent it to you, that email from Feige that was going on after around the amazing Spider-Man two script. It was leaked on, I I found a Reddit link. Um, I, I'm not going to question the legitimacy of that email. I think it's actually a pretty legit email, but it was a, it was an email chain saying that these characters should be treated more like James Bond with like a loose, uh, kind of, uh, canon then be reset every couple of years where you have to restart the fan base. And if anything, we learned from the, from that last Spider-Man movie, it's that, you know, movies that maybe I wasn't a big fan of like the ASM movies. Um, I mean, Andrew Garfield was my favorite, arguably my favorite part of that film. And I did not love the Spider-Man movies Andrew Garfield was part of, but I loved 
him in No Way Home. It was so good. So we get to Peacemaker, well, well, and yes, well, it was, by, it's by the way, it's the same yeah, thing like Lucky Thor, you know, like mm-hmm. because Thor was great. Was- yeah, and, and the first and second, the, the first one I had issues with. The second one I had more issues with. The third one's phenomenal. I mean, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's it's a take, right? I mean, that's just it. No Way Home legitimized, redeemed, it did so much for Garfield Spider-Man that I think everyone wants him. And I hope the rumors that he's going to be Spider-Man in, in the next Venom, I mean, I'm the, I'm there for that. You were already there for the Venom. Listen, Nobody loves Venom more than Ian. Listen, you know, I, you know, the listeners can go back. You know, we did both those movies. The first one is such a piece of crap. But the second one, they went all in on what worked and they avoided a lot of stuff that didn't. And it's still not a great movie, but it was more, it was I fun. enjoyed sitting with you and watching it. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the three of us had a ball watching it. Yes, that. exactly. But, yeah. but come on, you do it with Andrew Garfield. Great. Oh, yeah. If Andrew Garfield shows up in the Venom 3, you're, you're loving it. And you're like, okay, like this is all kind of working. But the Venom 3 also uh, takes place since we kind of know what's going on with, with the Sony verse. Morbius. It always comes back to Morbius. <laughs> Let's talk about Peacemaker. That's what the, that's what people are downloading this thing idea. for. Let's talk Peacemaker. Yeah. And ultimately, I don't know how long this episode is going to be because I think like beat, beat for beat, we loved every episode of this show. I was thinking about things that I actually like scratched my head with on Peacemaker and I loved every moment of this. And it's, it's so I hate much to fun. think the it's pandemic so for giving James Gunn a chance to make it but damn, like James Gunn got stuck in a pandemic. He wrote this thing. They made it. I cannot believe it. I loved it. Yeah, it was absolutely great. Um, they, you know, there's a lot of things they did with it that were really surprising. Um, I mean, listen, to episode eight, like all the references throughout the show to Peacemaker. Anytime you bring up another, you know, superhero, if you want to call him a superhero, you know, and he has some weird, crazy, nasty story. And I mean, that that payoff okay i mean first of all like you know that yeah you're, you're late dicks aquaman but, fucks fish yeah aquaman fucks fish we heard that one or two times like oh yeah aquaman fucks fish and then at the end i i was so satisfied with that episode just because the heroes pull it off in the nick of time the all the stakes are against them james gunn is so good at really introducing this kind of like universe world threatening <laughs> hegemony kind of villain right. like a hive mind villain and here's and the thing and we, 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 off. and we came out of the suicide squad going like where the fuck is the justice league like how do they not the show justice up league? right and, and, and then here it is it. again they say it in the movie in the, in the in episode eight call the justice league this is we're fucked call the justice league it's like oh the justice league are off planet the justice league are doing this we can't get the justice league they walk out of saving the day and he there's four of the justice league show up and in silhouette and you're thinking Oh, that's cute. They're just going to keep him in silhouette. And, it, it, and I loved Cena, who's five times the star he was after this, this this season than he was before. And he was already a huge star. He's like, you're late, dickheads. I fucking love that. He's yelling at Superman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman and The Flash. And then when you get the close-ups and you realize, oh, they got Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller to actually be Aquaman and The Flash. And then they bring back the Aquaman fucks fish jokes. I It was amazing. Just the fucking cherry on top on I, all of this stuff. I mean, seriously. And not only that. I immediately texted Ian. You have to. Fuck you, Barry. 
do not let the internet spoil this one for you, Ian. I was all caps text. Ian, you need this as much as you need to finally play the PS4 Spider-Man. Like there's two things that Ian needed for the internet, not to spoil that joke, which I'm glad it didn't. And for Uh, Ian to play. uh, I actually have played it. I played the PS5, but you know. Mm, Okay. If it's not your thing, that's all I can no, do. No, it was very much my thing, and there, there aren't there are enough hours, so I can't, I you know, know. I know. just can't happen. You have to cut back on uh, some of those shows you watch. <laughs> dude, it's, my wife will divorce me. It's not even, not even quite. <laughs> oh, yeah, y'all do, like, watching TV together. Heidi just runs off without me, and she just watches them, and she's like, oh, yeah, this was good, this was good, this was good, that one sunk, you can skip this. So I have my own little TV guide. I will call her my TV bride yeah. in October. Um, okay, so let's let's get down to this, because... We talked about that, but from the get-go, I think that first episode is doing what I was kind of critical of Boba Fett for not doing in that first episode, which is plant a lot of seeds. Yeah, they and built you get, so you much. Get, you get you get all the members of the team in a very, very clean fashion. You get his father. You get a lot of different storylines. And, and then you so, get the mystery of the butterflies. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. So, so, so the father thing was a really smart thing that they did, you know, Um in the comics, you know, Terrence's father was was a, a Nazi, an actual Nazi. I mean, you know, that's canon. The yeah. Peacemaker's father was a Nazi. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and here's the thing: is so you have, so you know, with DC Comics over the years gobbled up a lot of other companies. So Charlton Comics was one of the companies that they gobbled up, and a lot of people know about that because of the Watchmen history. That you know, originally Alan Moore was going to do the, the Charlton characters and then dc said last minute said no you can't so everyone watched them just an analog for the charlton characters that they bought right yeah but there's the the blue beetle the question and all these yeah but a couple of the charlton characters that weren't there were peacemaker and judah master so um so yeah i just find that's interesting but um and then in judah master um well both characters are very different like judah master they retconned as a member of the all-star squadron and i mean Judo Master has no nothing to do with um, the Suicide Squad in the comics at all, and that's fine, you know, because actually that works because didn't really hear either. You know, it was Peacemaker the analog was was the comedian the pe- the analog for Peacemaker or not at all? No, no, not at all. Okay, not okay. at all. Um, so I don't think so. Yeah, because there are similarities yeah. in the sort of like. Rambo esque approach to yeah, yeah. Actually, like the blanket violence that. approach to to bringing peace in the comedian from the Watchmen and the Peacemaker, but I don't know who the analog who the who the Charlton character is. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I have to think about that. Give me okay. I'll so, but anyway, so these um, are Charlton characters. And yeah, they stayed Charlton characters until they became. Well, the, um, well yeah, yeah, kept them kind of what they were. Yeah, yeah, they evolved. But you know, but but. What I wanted to say about Peacemaker that I thought was really, really smart that they did is, you know, because an actual Nazi is hard to do because time's gone by, you know? I mean, it's decades, you know, even though the comics don't always age that well. And then they, they have, have a character. In the U.S. again. Yeah. But, you know they're Nazis. They always <laughs> have this character, White Dragon. So they just said, well, great. Make him White Dragon, you know? So in the mm. comics, they have nothing to do with each other. But it works. His father was an actual Nazi. Here's, he's a neo-Nazi. It worked really well, you know? Um, I thought. I thought mm-hmm. it was very smart. I thought, you know, even down to, you know, the upbringing and the, just the whole 80s thing of it, you know, um, just be, because it's a place that someone like him makes sense he would come from in this day and age versus when the character was created, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, you know, the, the whole origin, all the way back, and we, we finally got all of it, right? 
about, you know, his brother, what his vow was. I mean, really, the whole show worked to really get into the head. I mean, it took eight episodes. You got Peacemaker's origin gradually. You all- but you are you're also working off of some of the things that happened in the late stage of Suicide Squad with the remorse he's starting to feel. Absolutely, the Suicide Squad is, yeah. is necessary viewing. My wife hasn't seen the Suicide Squad or Peacemaker at all, and she actually said to me this morning, "It's like, you know, it sounds like I'd really like that. Like I watched it, I was like, and I just said, like, look, you don't have to watch the first Suicide Squad, but you want to watch the second. And I threw out the Idris part because that'll make her watch it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that'll do it. But um, yeah, so and 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 I'm down. I'll rewatch. I'm fine with it. It, it. The the and again, I'm I'm just going to keep touting how good Cena was. Uh, the he, the moments he where amazing. he is showing that 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 remorse, he and that remorse over what he did in in Suicide Squad, well, and I, the I, remorse that he has over what you learn is his origin story and the abuse he suffered from his father. Like this is such an intense show, but it also has the levity of a bunch of people calling each other dickheads. And saying just some inane, like conversations with well, each other that are hilarious. Well, here's the thing: it's is, beautiful. Is what's really astounding about this show is it's a true ensemble, and you have so many actors on this show doing such fantastic work. Right? I mean, you know, we, I know, you know, before the show, we were talking about you know the TV performer of the week from TV Line with Steve Aggie. You know, I mm-hmm. mean. Such great, I mean, episode eight, like, yeah, he just stole it. Such great work, Mm -hmm. right? I mean. There's a lot of thieves in this series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're champions all across the board. This this really was uh, a lot of fun to watch. And I know I'm trying to get into specifics, and we just keep coming back to how great this show was. But, if you, I mean, if you haven't watched it, it's totally So so one of the things I wanted to say, you know, I, I have to say going into it, I'm a giant James Gunn fan long before he did Marvel movies, right? So, I mean, I always go watch a James Gunn movie. Um, but when I saw you know, some early trailer stuff, I was like, wow, okay. They got the vigilante costume perfect, and the character's goofy, and that's not my vigilante. Mm-hmm. The vigilante is more of a hardcore murderer. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's Adrian Chase, Teen Titans. I mean, there were, you know, you know, the vigilante spun out of the new Teen Titans, created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Adrian Chase was the DA that worked with them, and his family got blown up. And, you know, he survived it and becomes the vigilante. Um, and, yeah, and that's just it. He's serious about, you know, killing criminals. He's the Punisher. He's not even yes. a question. He's absolutely he's, he's take on the Punisher. I mean, even down to when he came out, the Punisher's popularity just hit. That, that's exactly what he is. Um, right. And But vigilante was so much fun. I mean, the tone of this show was just so – he just added to it. I mean, I just I laughed and laughed and laughed. And I love that he's just, he's completely and totally a psychopath. But right down yeah. to when, like, you're not sure what they're going to do with him early on. And he shows up and Peacemaker can't kill the kid. And Vigilante just shows up like, like just a complete psychopath. He's happily there just to kill whoever he has to kill. Oh, it was a pleasure to him. He, you know, and not yeah. only that, but but there was, in his sociopathy, like his, his complete, like, sociopathy, is that the word? Like, the, like, his, like he, it was, it was a, it was him being a friend. In killing this kid, he he saw that people yeah, go, go to jail to kill his father. I mean, yeah, he's like, let me do you a favor and just kill these people. Like, I don't even enjoy it. This is just me as a friend doing you a favor. And when he when he when John Cena can't pull the trigger on shooting a kid, and Vigilante just whispers in his ear and says, "Hey, like it's okay. 
let me do it. And that does it without like that, hesitation. That, that question. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's funny. It's insightful. It's character work. I love, I'm with you on James Gunn. We've talked to him on the, uh, on interviews for the show. The guy is just uh, really good at those dichotomies of well, well, vi- something that's a bit, a bit intense. And then something that's hilarious vi- at the same time. Vigilante throughout the entire run of the show. It, it's perfect that like, he has no remorse at all. He doesn't know what feelings really are. Yeah, he has, he's fixated on Chris as being his best friend. But, you know, other than that, like, he, he does it. You know, like, he, he just he doesn't understand. I mean, he makes references to his childhood about that he's mm-hmm. always been that way. I mean, it's, just, it, it's great. It's hysterical. Um, can we talk about the, probably my favorite performance of the entire series, bar none? Eagle. <laughs> the CGI eagle. Yeah, it's fantastic. Eagly is you everything. Like about it? everything. Well, I got to tell you what, that moment when I, I actually thought that they, I mean, I was like, they, they can't, they can't. But for a minute, there, I thought they were killing Eagly. I was losing my shit. You really thought they were going to kill it? No, I didn't, but I was that invested. I was like, I can't <laughs> kill Eagly. Eagly's too awesome. And yet, I was like, no, did they do that? No, you knew. Come on, they, they can't. Know, it's like killing a dog. So like awesome. you can't do that. You he can't do that. So, well, you want to lose the audience? You kill Eagly. Like, yeah, but you know when, when the ne- the neo Nazi does it, you know, mm, it, it does kind of help shade. But those neo Nazis were already pretty shaded as bad guys. They didn't yes. really need that yeah. last little thing to sell you on how bad the neo Nazis are. Just call them neo Nazis. We know they're uh, assholes. Spe- speaking of deaths, I thought um I mean listen, it's a great arc. It's so it's actually really funny because Vigilante is so ready to do it. But it was actually necessary that Chris that Peacemaker kills his father. Um yes. and but I love that he's seeing his ghost and he's staying with it. And you know, and in the comics he actually he talks to ghosts and he believes some things like that that's an aspect of the character that, that that's where they got that from. That's so, something I want you to talk about a bit is uh, what characters came from the comics. Like, obviously, we'll talk about Judo Master, who's right. my favorite, and other characters. Um, like, how close were they to their comic book counterparts? Obviously, Vigilante's not, other than being a mass it, murderer. It's not. Judo Master is also very different from than the comics. Is He doesn't you know, eat hot Cheetos in the comics? Um, no, not that we've seen. The most recent Judo Master <laughs> was female. It was in Birds of Prey. Um I mean, the original goes back to the World War II stuff. So, um, is, is an old character. Um, there's, I think there's a glimpse in, um, in the reset of things of like a Charlton universe. And so he's there. Um, yeah, there's not much there. Um, listen, I, I, I just love how that they really dived in on, um, the whole support staff thing. You know, I thought that was really great. Um, you know, the Waller stuff with the daughter is good. Um, Waller's kids aren't that old in the comics, sure. but but it, but it works. I think it's good. The Daniel Brooks character. Yeah. 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 Was it Lita? Lita? Something like that. Agabondo, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Leota Adebayo. Adebayo, yeah. That was the name me. of the character. Played by Daniel Brooks, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought they did some interesting stuff with Harcourt. You know, okay. from I, I thought she was kind of one note in the Suicide Squad, and you know well, yeah, she started the, there and they evolved there. Yeah. Um, but I, Steve Agee's character as well, like yeah, they yeah. only get I, a li- they don't get a whole lot of real estate in the Suicide Squad. You already have a pretty expansive cast that you have to 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 kind of 
keep the plate spinning with. I thought it was an interesting take and, you know, it, it gets a little bit confused. Um, the whole thing at the end with, you know, the motivations of the butterflies and they actually want to, you know, do right by us. And it really would have appealed to peacemaker, you know, but, but they would have killed his friends. So therefore, no, they have to go out and, you know, it, it sort of makes me unclear on what the motivation of, um, you know, the, when, when the, the one and only one single butterfly doesn't agree with them. Yeah. I thought that was, that was a little interesting and I'd, I'd like a little more of that story. And that was, uh, the Mern character. Yes. Yes. The Mern character. Is that a character from the books? Mern? It's you know, not, is it? I don't think so. So I have to say, I think, I think I said this on the suicide squad, uh, special that one of the few runs of DC books that I never read all of is like, I never read Ostrander's suicide squad. I've read, well, any suicide turn, everybody you're no use to me now no, no I, i've read the any suicide squad stuff probably in the last couple of decades mm-hmm. but it didn't go back further than that i mean i think that that book came out in a period where i wasn't collecting um and honestly what's what's that that period actually happened yeah um, comics college till um a little bit to late and long well mid high school to Mid law school, I wasn't collecting, and then I you were trying to impress girls. No, uh, honestly, I'd moved down. I'd moved out of New York, and um, the shop I was going to was far away, and it was soulless. No one talked to anyone there, and it just kind of threw off the rhythm of like you know I wasn't able to get there that often, and you know it just so I, I fell out, and then um, you're also in college and don't have the expendable income, <laughs> the disposable yeah, yeah. income. Yeah, yeah, that was a bad yeah. part of it. Honestly, the way I started buying again is I actually sold my. Um, Star Wars figures and turned that into buying up comics. Oh, I had okay. them. I had them in storage, and I, I sold them, and that's why I bought up a, a lot of back issues I was missing. Wow. Um, well, so the Mern character, I don't believe he's he's from the comics. Yeah, I don't think um, so. I do love that character because you don't really know his loyalties, and we're going to see uh, Chikwudi Uwoji again in the third Guardians Guardians. of the Galaxy movie. Yeah. Like yeah. it's kind of a funny story that he, that while they that while he was on Peacemaker, James Gunn shot his screen test to put him into Guardians of the Galaxy three, and because they used like kind of DC's crew to shoot the 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 screen test for Guardians for Marvel, uh, while they were shooting Guardians of the Galaxy three, they shot Ezra Miller with the Marvel crew for his cameo at the end of Episode eight, and that was kind of a cool Ezra and Momoa, right? Yeah, it was just no. Momo, I think, was already in, and he was shot. Those all those characters were shot on plates separately. Okay, I thought. It was- um, but Ezra's stuff hadn't been shot yet. His part of that wide, and then the singles hadn't been shot yet. So, because they shoot Guardians of the Galaxy in North Carolina or wherever they have those, or Atlanta where they have those studios, it's I think Atlanta. they're Atlanta. I yeah. think they're Atlanta. Um, Ezra Miller's there fighting I the KKK. Yeah, it, it, Ezra Miller's there fighting the KKK, and and they bring him over to the studio. <laughs> Did you see? I sent you that video of Ezra Miller calling out the local KKK and saying he's going to fuck them all up while he's yeah. driving the car. Yeah. I want an update on that. Is has Ezra Miller stomped out the KKK yet? Because if not, like if there's still time, Ian and I can get in the car, come help Ezra Miller out. But he's the Flash; he does it fast. So just let us know, Ezra, if you're listening. Um, if <laughs> if you've dealt with the local KKK chapter yet, we'll we'll help you out. Um, so 
Ian, uh, we've got the the cast. They're great. What did you think of the storyline? Are the butterflies something from the comic? This this race. I think everything was uh, completely made up. I've never okay, seen because yeah. And and again, like and it was great. James James Gunn is somebody who loves doing this sort of oh, and, singularity and, and, character. And by the, way, the, the kaiju your, line there. Yeah. There was another kaiju, and obviously no Star Wars the reference. Yeah, Star was the reference of the kaiju from uh, from the Suicide Squad film, which I hope you've seen because that, I loved that film and I love Starro. Um, I did. I do get concerned and start thinking, "Hey, like, is James Gunn just going to do these like body snatcher movies or these takeover like hive mind movies?" Because he does it with like Slither. He kind of did it with Guardians of the Galaxy two. He's done it with. The, the Starro, he's done it with this one, but he does it so well, Jonathan, who cares? Um, what I like about it and why I like that it's unique to James is he celebrates people who are outsiders. He celebrates people who are loners, people like uh, Ratcatcher 2 in the in the first Suicide Squad, awesome. in the Suicide Squad, and he's able to celebrate these people. Like I think we all fell in love with Guardians of the Galaxy, the best iteration of Guardians of the Galaxy in his film because he really showed how much these people were rejects and how together they became a family. And he did it again here. And I will fall for that narrative <laughs> every damn time. It's kind of why we started Geekscape, right? Like we're all nerds. We're all rejects. We're all societal outcasts. That's why we like this stuff. Well, but I, we, 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 we become a family. And that's the thing is I think that, you know, the trope works because look, eventually people with a common goal are going to find some common ground. I think that's human nature, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So I th- I actually really like that it, it takes a while in this to get there, but it, it, it may eventually get there, right? Yeah, he does it beautifully too. I think, again, like I've talked about the sort of back and forth dichotomy between his extreme violence and intense dramatic scenarios and the humor that he throws in there. Um, some of the stuff is just, we talked about the Justice League stuff. What was some of the like funnier moments that are usually ta- attached it's, it's, to extreme violence. Yeah, but, but it's also, it's, it's the witticisms. I mean, it's just so funny. It's For me, it all comes out of the character uh, interaction stuff, you know? I mean, the dye beard stuff is so funny, and it builds and builds and builds, and then you get to, you know, episode eight, and you realize, God, it's just fucking terrible. And so that, that's what's really interesting, it's right? Beautiful. Because Yeah, because you have... You have all these things that people so often do about taking shots at, at each other, right? And to then have, um, I, I found that it's sort of cathartic to watch, right? Like it's just the, you know, it, it, it's bullying, you know? I think yes. that, that was another thing that's really called out well about there's a lot of statements made about that, that Peacemaker was a bully. He was a bully when he was a kid, you know? And, and you have the close-ups of Peacemaker listening as Steve Agee is talking about why he dyes his beard. And yeah. It's it's beautiful. The, the reason that he's saying it is to convince the butterflies that he is one of them. And he's trying to get away with this scenario. Yeah. And and he has to admit to this bullying and everyone's witness to it. In the That's what I, I love about what James Gunn's doing is that he... And again, it goes back to what we were saying about Book of Boba Fett in the first episode, not planting proper seeds for the rest of the episodes to have real estate you know you plant the seeds and then throughout this uh, the season you start to to kind of see what grew and you start to to pull them um here everything's just getting cashed in everything right. that he's, he's laid laid out is getting cashed in in beautiful and surprising fashion which is why he's such a good writer and that yeah. monologue is one of the, my favorite parts where everyone has to witness oh my god the truth behind why he dyes his beard but and and, and it's painful and, and, it's beautiful it's hilarious 
But right, but and for Peacemaker, it's at the right time because throughout the show, I mean, like even down, we referenced before, he doesn't want to kill the kids. Like eventually, it's like I don't want to kill anyone anymore. Like he's going through all this stuff, you know. He's he's not in jail. He's out. He's dealing with his father. He's dealing with the pain of his brother. And he's he's you know he's seeing you even you know hardcore saying oh you're this piece of shit. Like he doesn't want to be that. He's actually we see he's a sensitive guy, but. You know, his upbringing is his upbringing. So him being a bully and being an asshole and, you know, coming up with, you know, the, the, the mean nicknames to kids. I mean, so all these things he did that Oh, he's yeah, when he was to speak in the classroom and he's just calling the kids funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was amazing. Yeah, I forgot he, about that scene. He, it's great. He's an asshole. But that's because that, he thinks that's okay. But then when you see his reactions to it, like, but he's actually a sensitive, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's at heart a it's sensitive a person. Yeah, yeah, and but 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 he, he he's so hurtful, right? So Jim Pagarnelli did want us to talk about the sad true origin of Die Beard, secret badass of the series. Um, and you know, in, in going forward, we do see him by himself in that montage there at the end, where the characters kind of like go back to quote unquote some version of their 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 lives, but different. Um, if when we talk about a Peacemaker season two, granted, all these characters have to be back, but that Steve Agee character, like. He's almost. I mean, he's granted that he's the microchip in this in this team, sure. but it's him, Peacemaker and Vigilante, right? I mean, well, I listen, we don't know what's next. He goes back to Bell Reeve, yeah. but you know, but Bell Reeve's been blown up. Right? I mean, blown up. I think figuratively, the Suicide Squad has politically, been blown up. politically, yeah. yes. So, Amanda Waller's been so put we, on blast. We don't know what's next, but we know that. Listen, there's a season two. Obviously, Gunn already knows what it's going to be, or as an idea, or it wouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't have announced thing, it now without it, you know him having some ideas there. So one thing that uh, Jim also said is that Peacemaker's bisexuality is referenced multiple times in this in the season. Uh, you actually see like the result of like a like a like a threesome and this and that in there. Uh, but but he was at Bill Reeve and he talks about having sex with this. Like we know he tells Harcourt like it's been a long time since I've had sex. Well, with a woman, right? He's been in prison. Uh, who is that? person do you think and do they get involved in season two do we start to see like peacemakers i mean look here's the thing is i don't think it's anyone we saw on uh you know in the suicide squad because we would have a sense of that right so right you know it, it, it can be anyone or anything depending on, on what it comes up with i think uh i think jim was hoping but, for like bronze, uh, bronze tiger well, 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 like well, well, well i feel like the question is becoming like you know they 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 obviously did the thing of Harcourt warming up to him at the end there, right? Sure. So is that something to do to add, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, um, throwing a little wrench into, you know, a a romance? Sure. And, and that, that uh, could okay. Be One thing I expected to have happen, I don't think it ultimately made sense. Was, and I'm, I'm gonna, but they, but they only showed the character one instance in the in the eighth episode was I always thought judo master was also going to join the team, but I believe that would character would become redundant next to vigilante. And I don't really know what that character would have done. And maybe the character was too I, OP as a fighter with, when you had the comedic, like out of bio and chief agent <laughs> character kind of stumbling along, having judo master out there whipping everybody's ass would have been a problem. I don't agree that it'd be redundant. I think that, I think the way they left it, we're going to see Joe Master again because he wants to kill them because for whatever reason, he believed right. in the butterflies and, and their cause. So he, he's coming to kill them still. And what's funny to me about Judo Master is, and 
I, you know, I think that, you know, there's maybe a bit of a, I don't know if this ends up being a racial stereotype or not, but there's a Cato quality as a, a la Pink Panther to him in that mm-hmm. situation, right? Um, I just like that he killed two Boondock Saints fans. That was like my favorite part of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just awesome. <laughs> but, but, These but, two but, dudes but, talking about but, Boondock Saints, and I was like, oh, they need to get their asses kicked. But do you know what I mean about the whole, you know, the, the Clouseau-Cato thing about, like, you know, out of nowhere he'd attack him? Which yes. was, for me, growing up, was one of my favorite things. I loved that. I always thought that was so funny. And I, I feel like that that's what we have that like, photo to Judah Master. Like, Judah Master comes out of nowhere to kill them. At, at any given time, Judah Master might just show up and try to kill them. Well, Ian, there's a... We know that there's a second season coming that's been published, but also there's that word that there's another Suicide Squad character in it that they want to do a spinoff show so, from Suicide Squad. So that's the that question. Might be. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a Who guaranteed hit if you, if they get Bloodsport, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know that Idris will do it. But listen, it, it just does Luther. So just because it's TV doesn't mean he won't do it. You know, right. um, then you know, I mean, I think maybe Ratcatcher. Well, Harley Quinn series is it sounds expensive as well. A Harley Quinn series won't happen. I don't see right. that happening. Okay, so we have Eagly. That's I mean, listen, I could be wrong, but I think they, they did a movie. I don't see right. them doing a series, you know? So we have Eagly. That's your favorite character. That's a full CGI character. And they I could do an Eagly spinoff. I, I would I watch it. I think I agree with the Facebook user who says, please. King Shark would be awesome. Part. Don't see that happening. It's a lot of a lot of CGI. It's kind of a lot of money. Uh, Andy Ratinger, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit, because he's our resident metalhead, and he's given me a top five needle drops from the season that I'm going to read to y'all. Uh, he says, "Polka Dot Man," but we saw Polka Dot Man spoilers die in Suicide Squad. I will tell you, Ian. I did. Did I tell you? I went to Starbucks this week on the way to. Uh, you didn't tell to me teach. Starbucks. No. I went to Starbucks, and I as I'm walking to Starbucks, who's walking out? David, David, Uh, David, I I will never get David. I'm so sorry. I know I've invited you on the show to come up. If you Geekscapists don't know David, who played Pokemon Dot Man, my partner in Geekscape, George Callert, and I, we both helped David finish a film a couple years ago that won South by Southwest. If you haven't seen the movie, it's called (laughs) Animals, and it's about David. If y'all don't know David's backstory, he's very open about it. Um, David was a heroin addict for years. And he lived in a van outside the Chicago zoo for like a long stretch in this movie that he made. It was about that period of time. And if you go back and you see David, I think in Batman begins, he that's the first time I saw David, he plays kind of a hood in Batman begins. That was before he was in prisoners with Hugh Jackman. Um, That's kind of around the time I met David. Uh, We helped David kind of help finish shoot a scene from his movie and, and all that. So I've known David a few years and we, we, I was walking into Starbucks. He's walking out of Starbucks with his daughter. I go, hey, David, uh, we catch up. He's got this comic book, Dark Horse Patel, called Count Crowley. If you can go and find the trade for the first four issues, it's worth it. It's a lot of fun. I think you'd enjoy it, Ian. Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a new Count Crowley four-issue miniseries coming out in the next month or two, and I've invited David to come on the show. We'll see if he does. I mean, this dude was in Dune. He was in the, the, David is super busy. Sounds like so it's we'll busy for you, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I can only I can barely get Ian at this point. Listen, I make show. it work for you. Don't don't, really don't act like I'm the only one that's busy. You so know, your schedule is not so easy to work with either. Ian, you are our polka dot man. That's not true. You don't have mother issues. Everyone has mother issues. <laughs> <laughs> he was also an Ant Man. Andy Ratinger says, "Yeah, he was an Ant Man." No, I love David. 
uh, and he's super kind and, and it was good to, to kind of like really briefly catch up and, uh, and then drink coffee. Um, hopefully he comes on the show. Um, we had Sean Gunn on the show last year. Like, why not? Let's do it. Um, okay. So Ian, anything else to say before I give you our resident metalhead, Andy Rattinger's top five needle drops from this season of Peacemaker? I mean, probably, but you can go ahead and give them. Let's see okay, what so, they generate. So, so Andy and I kind of like had a little bit of an, I don't think it was too awkward, but Andy was so excited every, because Andy is a resident metalhead. He's been a metalhead his entire life. He's, he loves that people are now enjoying the music from Peacemaker because they were the, he was like a loner who listens to metal and people were like, why are you listening to this stuff? This stuff is outdated and it's eighties and this and that. And Andy felt alone in his love for, uh, you know, this music. And, and suddenly I do Gunn love that, by the way, awesome. it's another smart thing that gun does. Cause he gets it. Is that oh. like people that are so different and then they have music in common. Suddenly they appreciate each other. Oh, and, and it's like, he, yeah. Yeah. It's like st- the, in the music they have in common is like, Cockrock music. They most people are like, "What? <laughs> we haven't heard these bands in a long time." But I, I mean, I guess if you're a big music fan or you went through college radio like I did, like you know these bands because mm-hmm. they are still popular globally. Um, so let's get to it. Um, I actually, what I was going to say was, Andy would watch the episodes, and on Twitter he would get so excited he would like just like brain spasm out the name of the band. Like he would name drop the band and be like, "Oh my god, they blank blank." And he wouldn't even say that he's watching Peacemaker. He wouldn't say that like anything else about the scene. He would just yell out the name of the band. And I know a lot of these bands. And I was like, and I texted him. I said, well, I, I said, Andy, stop. Like, these are spoilers. So you may not think they're spoilers, but they're spoilers. Because then I'm watching the episode and being like, oh, this is the scene where they're going to play this song. And oh, this one's yeah. coming up. And, and it, they're, they're spoilers, right? Yeah. Any commentary watching spoilers. something that people hasn't watched is it just, it's putting ideas in your head. It's why, so, as you know, I, I mean, I think a lot of people feel this way, but my wife thinks I'm crazy, but for a variety of reasons, but this specifically yeah, that I like to see things as soon as possible for other people. I don't want and to keep hear, it fresh. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to hear the song. I don't, I don't yeah. know what the soundtrack is. So Anne and I kind of like text it back and forth. I was like, Hey man, like you kind of like, I, I would kind of love you. You just, like I follow Andy on Twitter. I think all of you should follow Andy on Twitter. Um, I was like, like you need to stop, stop, or I gotta stop following. I kind of yeah. need you to stop doing that because yeah. I'm literally checking the boxes as I watch the episode, and we're like, oh, somebody just put a tape in the in the radio. I kind of know what's gonna play, you know, or somebody just literally put a needle on a record. I know what's gonna play. Um, that being said, the fucking soundtrack to this is a bunch of fucking jams. Uh, but I because there's like so much, James to... Gunn is pretty good at that. Like he's oh, he's done awesome. That before, huh? I love what he does with music in his films. That being said, Geeks Keepers, there's too much music to talk about in this series. And I really hope somebody on the internet has compiled. It might be something Geekscape should have done. Compiled like a episode by episode listener list. It's the best idea. we could do is I asked Andy to give us the top five from the season. I bet James of, Gunn. Of, I'd be surprised if he doesn't put that out. You know, he should. His, his jam, right? 
I mean, those Guardians of the Galaxy soundtracks yeah, charted. Great. Like, they did really well. They actually sold. So I, I would say that that's something he should do for Peacemaker. DC, get on it. Like, Warner Brothers, you have a music division. Uh, okay, so Andy says, I picked five that aren't the ones that are already hits or better known. I asked him for five songs. Like Motley Crue, I thought that piano scene where they're doing Motley awesome. Crue, where he's playing the piano, fantastic. Or Firehouse, or Kicks, or Faster Pussycat, or the Poodles, the Wigwam song. Everybody loves the intro of the Wigwam song. It's unskippable um shit i even had to leave off the neil sean song uh neil sean you tell me how it's pronounced andy uh but here are the top five i think in order of andy's favorite songs and i will tell you the scenes he's going to tell you the scenes that they're in okay so first you got reckless love from monster that's a band from finland very pop metal overall (laughs) lots of def leppard and guns and roses influence but they've gotten heavier they're catchy as hell. This song is what plays during the epic arrival and invasion of the butterflies. So when you see those butterflies coming to Earth and then they invade, I think, the police uh, precinct and start going up into everybody's mm-hmm. mouth. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I I think maybe they shot it and it didn't include. Why do we not see a butterfly go up anybody's butt? It was a it was a piece of discussion. I was expecting during the police uh, I, pro- precinct. Probably because you don't see anyone taking a dump. Yeah, I was expecting to see a butterfly go up somebody's butt. I mean, um, don't yet. Wouldn't they need their pants down for a butterfly to get their butt? No, I mean the, the butterflies are violently getting through glass and other things in that scene. Mm. They can rip a little pant. They can rip a little. But pant. why, if you have a, another orifice? But just to pay off the discussion earlier. I get it. You know I get saying? it. But you know, I mean. But I got you. Season two, we got a couple yeah. butterflies in that one. Maybe, maybe. Some butts. Uh, And we should talk about like what we think. There's still a surviving butterfly. That's what right. we think is going to happen there. Okay, number two on the list, maybe not in order, is Sister Sin by Fight Song. That's a band from Sweden. You can't go wrong with a badass woman fronting a hard rock band. They're rocking out to this as they drive to the factory where the butterflies made their food. The, with the, the episode with the cow. I think that's episode seven. You, They're listening to yeah. uh, Sister Sin. Santa Cruz by Drag Me Down. That's another band from Finland. This band has gone through more lineup changes than LA Guns in one third the time, mm-hmm. but somehow everything they put out is just melodic as hell. This one's playing when Peacemaker and Vigilante are shooting the appliances in the woods and they're fucking blowing shit up uh the next song is kiss and dynamite by six feet under that's a germany band these guys are just incredible not a single one of their albums has disappointed me so you guys need to get to the spotify or go buy these albums this one happens when goff is torturing vigilante and is in that cave and he's tied to the chair and he's and he's cutting off a piece of the finger or toe mm-hmm. yeah when Go- that's so that's what's playing is kiss and dynamite by six feet under and then hardcore that's superstar a, that's it was episode two or three, yeah. Hardcore superstar is You Can't Kill My Rock and Roll from Sweden. That riff is fucking magic. And this one is one of the newest songs in all the show, which just proves how timeless and kick-ass Andy's beloved genre is of uh, heavy metal. Admittedly, these guys are pretty big compared to the rest. Uh, you Can't Kill My Rock and Roll. Um, this is the track that plays the very end of the season finale, I believe, when everyone's going back to their quote-unquote lives, Right. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, you're in the chat right now, but, um, that's why we got it. Um, yeah. Uh, Andy would like to say that he's very thoughtful about spoilers and he's sorry for posting the Twitter. Andy, I just pay attention to what you do. Cause I love you, man. You're like a brother. Uh, one thing that Andy is throwing in now is a, an important element to the music. When Peacemaker is dou- doubting his role with the 11th street kids, he plays home sweet home on the piano. I think that's, uh, that's the, the, the song, um, the Molly Crew song, 11th Street Kids, a song by Hanoi Rocks. We listened to them in the episodes. Whose drummer Razzle was killed in a drunk driving accident when Vince Neal was behind the wheel. Wow, that was him. 
The other members of Molly Crew wrote so Home Sweet Home to welcome Neil home out of prison, which is kind of like Peacemaker's story. The meaning of choosing that song to symbolize the break in the 11th Street Kids is excellent. Yeah, that's actually crazy. If you know the backstory of the song, Home Sweet Home, and you know the story of the Peacemaker, which you should now in this season, that actually is beautifully that dovetails. All right, Ian, are we going to see Goff again? This is the surviving butterfly. I think so, yeah. I don't okay. think he would have done that without an intent to see it. Okay. See that, yeah. so, you know, you know I mean, oh. Gun doesn't do things like that for no reason. He didn't see put a butterfly up somebody's butt. They mentioned so, it. There you go. We might have to still see a butterfly go up somebody's butt. Uh, and what do you want to see out of season two? We we have had the hive mind storyline that that Gun does. We. I don't think we can do that again, right? Like we did it with Ego in Guardians 2. We we did it with Slither. We've done it yeah, with- I, I don't think we see that again. I, I'm really, I'm intrigued that he blew up Task Force X, okay? Because I think that, you know, that was very intentional for an evolution. You know, the question becomes, what does that mean? What does that look like? Does mm-hmm. that mean that they're, they're, a new, they're the new version? You know, because obviously they were an offshoot, right? Of Task Force X. Yes. I mean, they, they were yes, under they were. Waller's auspices to some extent. There were two teams sent in. One team was a distraction right. team. Right? I mean, they only had the one and ultimately second sort of criminal, right? Uh, involved. Mm-hmm. The rest were actually operatives. So not exactly a Task Force X situation, but, you know, Waller seemingly had some oversight. You know, there's the, no Suicide it, Squad well, sequel. Is there announced? Because it didn't. There, there's not. Stuff. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, and what what they called out was that they called out, as far as government agencies go, that they were Argus agents. Yeah. So, um, listen, there's a lot of places to go with it. You know, and obviously, then that explains them have, dealing with the alien stuff. Sure. So, so you're thinking more alien invasion. Yeah, and listen, you know, if the comics are any indication, I think that, you know, and, you know, you brought up the multiverse, I think the extra dimensional aspect, you know, could be very interesting and and a place to go. Well, we got Weasel. Weasel survived that invasion. Mm -hmm. We saw that in the post-credits, which is awesome because we love Sean. Um, But also TDK survived the the attack. So maybe we have Fillion back and obviously Gunn loves Fillion. TDK, uh, what was that stand for? That was Nathan Fillion's character that can like detach his pieces and bring them back and stuff like that. He can he can shoot his limbs out and and bring them back in. Hilarious. I mean, I hope that as much as I, I do want to see King Shark get their own series or maybe I a prequel, with Poke, like a polka dot man so prequel. Awesome. A polka dot man prequel prequel would be cool because we do know that polka dot man had siblings that were also experimented on. And things like that. Um, the detachable kid is what TDK stands for. Um, I I would love to see more of these kind of offshoot, crazy reject DC characters, given the James Gunn treatment, because I think they did a great job. And vigilante, like that's our vigilante now. And I don't know if if DC cannot take this treatment of the character into canon. There I, on the, I'm on the fine page. with it. Well, no, yeah. I, I don't know how they do that. I mean, I, obviously they can. They just ignore the previous one. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, that character is great. The character is so much fun. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, I, th- I think it probably, you know, I mean, Gun Gun's clearly having fun with it, you know? Um, what I like also is, you know, we've talked a lot about the Snyderverse, about what the DC stuff, DCEU looks like. 
Um, honestly, one of my favorite things about the fact that Gunn included the Just League in this, after all the references, is that, you know, my personal fear, you know, obviously what's happened with Affleck, you know, um, what's happened with Cavill, you know, it's felt like there's a lack of singular vision, right? And it's, re- it's really hard to ignore the stuff that's come up until this point and then just keep certain stuff. And I get you could say, you know, what's working, what isn't working, contract negotiations, all the things, you know? Obviously, they love Wonder Woman. They're keeping with Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman. Obviously, they love Aquaman. You know, they're diving in on Flash. Um, it I'm seems likely... the movie will get a sequel to <laughs> in its own narrative. Um, yeah. I'm not commenting on that. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll um, have a special for you, Geekscape, in, in like two, three weeks. Two weeks, I would think. Two probably weeks, probably to the day. Um, to, well, I can't yeah. actually on the fifth, but anyway. Let's talk about it. Yeah. We'll um, but, um, but the point is that, you know, for me, I, I'm happy to see that, okay, you, you still, the acknowledgement of the Justice League, of all these characters, of, the, of this bigger universe. I mean, I know a lot of people have commented, hey, Green Arrow is in canon in this universe. Yes, he's commented on Green Arrow so, being so, a, yeah, he called him a furry and a delinquent, sexual yeah. delinquent. I mean, hysterical, but the point is that he's there somewhere, you know? Yep. Um, so that's great. Oh, what I was starting to say is it seems to me that in some way they're going to retcon, I think they're going to post Flashpoint, it, it'll be a new version of the universe. I, I hope that they have some true vision on this. But I think that mm-hmm. Affleck's out and Keaton's in. Keaton's in in a kind of an older, like, yes, Hank, Pym, but, Hank but, Pym style, yeah. But the point is that, because we know he's in Batgirl, and it yes, sort of passes the sort of thing, thing. and that, that, that seems to indicate <laughs> that, 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 that that's what we're going to get post-Flashpoint, is that Keaton I love how is the Batman of this universe now. I love how they're passing the baton back. <laughs> back to a 1989 film which is amazing. And if I do get Michael Uslan scheduled to, to line up and get him on the show, I'd love to talk to him about it. He was one of the big proponents of that, that well, Tim Burton hiring well, back in the day. I have to say what's interesting to me about that is, you know, you've heard that both that and, and there's talk of similar thing with Supergirl, you know, taking over center stage over Superman, right? That's, and that would be the TV Supergirl or a new casting no, Supergirl? No, no, They're doing a, a new version of Supergirl, right? Okay. So um, what's interesting to me, I mean, let's talk about Batman first, right, is it sort of gels up a lot with what was talked about with Future State when the Future State was actually going to become the new DC Universe and then they end up just making it an event. And mm-hmm. yet a lot of the aspects of Future State still are sticking around. I mean... Jonathan Kent now is fully Superman, Superman off in space, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't see them going back on that. They'll just be two Superman, you know? Sure. Um, and there can be multiple Batman. Yeah, so and then that's like, just it. Exactly. The next Batman now is just Batman New York. John mm-hmm. Ridley's Batman, you know, is just another Batman. So you have those, so you have the, like the Bat Corpse for the most part. Sort what of was what, it called? Sort of. What was it called? When Batman International. Batman International, yeah. Okay, so we have that, so, I, and I don't, I don't see. I mean, I was talking to Cooper Barnes, our, our buddy who plays a superhero on TV. He's on Henry Danger. He is I, I'm sorry, Batman Incorporated. I'm sorry, Batman. Batman Incorporated. Like yeah. he and he was like, "How long are they, they're not going to keep doing this multiverse stuff with all Marvel and this and that?" I think multiverse is ultimately Marvel's phase four, but I think it will always be there. 
I think with both these companies, the multiversal aspects that have been in the comics, you know, since the 60s, 70s, to you know, when these things started looking, you know, when they started getting burdensome lines and continuities and they had to start kind of, I mean, Crisis is the famous one in 84, 85, 86. I think the movie fans are going to start realizing, oh, a multiverse is part of all of these properties. And we're going to be living with multiverses in both DC and Marvel in some aspect, maybe not as big as Phase 4 Marvel, but in some aspect going forward for the rest of time because these movies will never end. You know, Do you agree that we're always going to be living in a multiverse with both these companies as contracts get renewed and as storylines need to be redone and as as they, they kind of course correct uh, their narratives? I, I think the idea of the multiverse was a really smart thing that they did in comics, you know? And then I, I think it's interesting that... Um, both companies sort of got rid of them and then they bring them back again, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, DC truly wiped it out and made a you know the big meta thing. I mean, it was Crest and Infinite Earth, so they merged it all. You know, then they did Hypertime, then you know, then it's the new fifty two. You know, like they keep they keep doing that. Yeah, you got Marvel, really with it, Marvel when, did when it with the incursions. Yeah. So Marvel did when with the incursions. Superman punched through stuff. You got yeah. so excited, you're like, pre crisis Superman's back. I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Marvel did it with the incursions, which is where I think they're building. Um, and the new secret war, the new yeah. secret war was one of those things where it was like, Oh, this is their crisis. Battle and war, it yeah. lasted maybe a month, <laughs> you know, maybe two. I, but I, I think that, I mean, look with DC and Warner brothers, I think, you know, you're, you're always going to have, um, an aspect of, um, of a multiverse. I think that Marvel is building it up and building it up to tear it down. Eventually it's going to be a while before they do, but I do, I think that, you know, eventually we're getting battle world. It's going to be yeah. secret wars. I think that's where they're going to go. Um, what's curious is about the time frame because, because it would be, listen, you know, years ago and by actors are aging. Like that would have been the best way in the world to just bring over the Fox X-Men, but that's not what they're going to do. You know? Um, what are they going to do again? Well, I think they're just going to start it over, and they're waiting long enough to just do their own thing with it. You know, you saw that multiverse um, of madness trailer. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Um, so we're going to have aspects of it, and that's just it. Multiverse. That's exactly it. I mean, in the same way, because we've already seen it. In no way home. Okay, mm-hmm. we've seen that the other things exist. It's the multiverse. It doesn't mean that the version in the in the MCU's universe is looks anything like it. Yeah. They've made that very clear. So you can get, and by the way, I don't know if you saw this today, that Patrick Stewart is claiming wasn't him. Okay. Might maybe, be they used that, maybe they used that voice modulator they did for Mark Campbell in uh, yeah. episode six. Yeah, he's saying that, you know, people since early in his career, people have imitated him and it wasn't him. That's what he's saying. Okay. He might be full of shit. You know, this well, could be Andrew Garfield, you know, going on about, but yeah, that, that's what he's claiming. May 3rd, May 4th, we will find out what's going down with Multiverse of Madness. Uh, I was so hyped for that Doctor Strange oh, 2 yeah. trailer. Well, Ian, um, I think that's what we have to say about Peacemaker Season 2, or Season 1. Let's let's look forward to Season 2 is what I want to say. Um, I think Geekscapist, we've given you plenty of reasons to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't on any podcatcher, uh, because Ian and I will be back in two weeks talking The Batman, a movie that Ian Kerner calls a masterpiece. And I've got the very excited all caps text 
to back that up. Um, if there was a poster made, it should just say a masterpiece quote, Ian Kerner, the sale end all of comic book movies. I don't know if that's true, but it's been good enough for Geekscape for 15 years. Right. And it's good enough go- in two weeks when we talked to Batman and in two weeks after that, when we talk about your favorite movie of two- 2022, the Morbius, uh, you're going to miss that stuff if you don't subscribe. So uh, please do. It's nice talking to y'all in the chat. I love that uh, my good friend Jacob Bowser was like, hey, I love that you're posting these on LinkedIn now. <laughs> yeah, I started posting my LinkedIn because like, why not? And Jacob's over there. He built our early Flash player back in the day for Geekscape. So thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Good to see you in the chat. Um, Colin Lundgren's in there. Uh, he yells, Aquaman diddles fish. Yes, I think that's canon now. Um, Geekscapers, thank you so much. Um, Ian, you can follow him on at Ian L. Kerner on Twitter. He's also hanging out on Facebook. If you join us at the Geekscape Forever Facebook group, you can leave us some questions for Ian. You can also find tons of us. There's like 20,000 plus of us on the Geekscape page on Facebook. That's fun. And then, of course, we're on Instagram. Search for Geekscape. You'll find us. And if this wasn't enough comic book talk for you, well, we got other shows on the network. Masters of the Media is a good one. Um, that's one we added that compares things like the comic book source material to what we're getting in the film. They Remember when, I, when we used to do Geekscape and I used to talk about comic books? I can bring you on a regular Geekscape, Ian, but it's like we can do that. Um, but, I mean, there's only there's so much of this pop culture stuff. It was all, it was it was manageable on a weekly basis. Now I need an entire network to cover all this crap. I get it, I get it. And and uh, and I know that Garrett. So I read shows. comic books weekly. Yeah, but I Garrett does too. Garrett and Jack, oh, cool. and uh, they just compared uh, Frank Miller's Year One, and we're like, hey, what elements of this are in the Batman? Let's do a little compare and contrast. Only Ian really knows the answer to that, and we'll find out in two weeks what's going down. Um. Geekscapers, thank you for being a part of this. Subscribe to Geekscapes. Share it with your friends. Leave us a five-star review on all the podcatchers. You know the drill for Ian Kerner. Don't hate, create. Bye, everybody. Give you a peacemaker salute, Ian, for the video viewers. There we go, Geekscapers. Over and out. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.